Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Friday morning edition of The Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast today. I broadcast weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. As most of you know, I was really wanting to get a newsletter out Wednesday and Thursday when my web team moved my website to the new hosting company. Every single thing inside my website crashed. We're piecing it back together. I had no archives, which are synced to the apps. We're out of whack. It's taken us three solid weeks of work. My web team's exhausted. I'm exhausted. It's so frustrating because I know that you guys have been patient. Trust me, it's as equally frustrating for me as it is for you. But I'll tell you, it has been a nightmare to say the least. So what's happening is we're trying to upgrade a new WordPress because that was the other thing is the move caused all the plugins to go haywire. It's just a mess. It's just every day we're trying to hit something else. And so because of all this, I've been really behind the eight ball when it comes to trying to coordinate guests. So I just really ask you to be patient. I really realize something in all this, though. I am really wanting to get rid of Mickey Mouse equipment. I kind of a couple years ago went from totally crap to slightly crappy to semi-crappy, if that's uh, the technical term for it. I really need to kind of get with the program. Does that make sense? Technology is, is changing so swiftly, and the sprint to keep up, it's, it's exhausting. So what I decided is I want to have a fundraiser. I want you to help us raise funds to help me do the upgrades that I need, get some new software. I thought it was a perfect time. A lot of people in the last three years have asked me, why am I not doing video? I need some video equipment. So I'm having a fundraiser through Fundly. I'm going to video soon and I need to acquire equipment and software for both sound and visual syncing together. And my goal in this fundraiser is to come up with $7,500, you know, video equipment and all this. All this stuff costs so much money, and it's really, really hard to keep up with the latest stuff. Again, it's just, it's mind-numbing. I'm not a technical person, but I'll tell you, I am really blessed to be able to acquire some base stuff for $7,500 when we can get into twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. This is a goal that I have to mix it up, start doing some video. It's, you know, audio is one thing. But video is really impactful, and that has been a goal of mine for about three years. And I'm really hoping you get behind this fundraiser. Everyone can do something. If you know my show and if you listen to me, you know what my program is about. It is a rarity nowadays. You know, I'm always baffled by the amount of these pagans out there that are just, you know, they got all the best equipment. It's like, good Lord. And it's time for God's people for some expansion and better stuff. You know, I always wonder why it is that people in ministry expect people to just have all the crap, the throwaways, the secondhand, the the garbage. And meanwhile, all these hucksters, they have the best equipment, they have the best budgets and resources, and we have to work together. I need your help with this. You know what, maybe God gave you that good job so you can support ministries that are advancing the kingdom, equipping the saints. And you know what, I'm not too proud to just straight up ask my listeners, you guys know how much work I put into this thing. Let's reach this goal together. Again, my fundraiser is on Fundly. It's similar to GoFundMe, but it's very transparent. It tells you how many donors, how much money you've raised, and it's all right there in the open. It shows who's donated 
people can donate anonymously. And I have 52 days left in this. I thought it was 50, but it's 52. In 52 days, I know I'm going to reach my goal and be able to expand in an area that I haven't. And I think that's just really important. God is really, I think, expanding ministries that are telling the truth. They're not willing to bend. They're not willing to conform. I think you're going to see a shift here where politically correct ministries who refuse to really be a beacon of truth out there. If you're not advancing the kingdom, well, those ministries, I really believe, are going to be seeing some harsh realities very soon. Because you know what? People are waking up and they are craving the truth. Somebody that will not bend to this world system. Somebody that will say whatever needs to be said, despite the push in society to be politically correct, tone it down. They don't want some rogue, renegade vigilante out there telling the truth. You know that Jesus Christ himself would have got kicked out of most churches today? Probably Paul and everyone else would have got the boot. Come on now, you know I'm talking some truth here. You know, between the heresies and the reprobates and the doctrines of devils and on and on it goes. I'm telling you, people have drank the Kool-Aid. You know, it was first Kool-Aid light and now it's maximum strength Kool-Aid. Hey, figure out what'll kill me and back it off a tad. They are drinking maximum strength Kool-Aid. Someone has to stand in the gap and someone has to care. You know, I have been hit with a tremendous amount lately, but you just have to keep going. And even when you want to throw in the towel and you want to just throw your arms up in the air and give up. You know what, guys? I know that some of you are there right now, too. You just want to quit. You're getting beat down and beat up and you feel like giving up. Satan himself would love nothing more than for you to just pack it in, go sit in the corner, sit down, shut up. God wants an A-team army. And guess what? I'll never forget when Michael Lake said this. You know, he's working with a D-team at best. We are called as apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, preachers. We need to be affecting people, but why? Why is it always the people that are seeking God and hungry for God that are the ones that are getting beat up the most? Well, why do you think? Because Satan wants to, well, what does the scripture say? Wear out the saints. If he is wearing you out, it's probably a good sign that you're over the mark. If you're ineffective, Satan's not worried about you. But if you are effective, that's when he's going to be throwing his little devil deck of cards at you. Hmm, out of these 52 cards, let's see. Which one is going to make them cave? Poverty. Let's try the poverty card. Oh, no? Okay. How about relationship breakup? That'll get him distracted off the Lord. How about a loss of job? That'll get him going. Ooh, an infirmity. That'll shut him down for a while. When everything is going wrong and you can't take it anymore... Well, guess what? When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. And that is not some little cutesy comment. God knows what you are going through right now. Oh, that's reassuring, Sheila. God knows. But why doesn't he do something about it? And my question is, why don't we do something about it? We're given the rod of authority, but we expect God to do everything that he's already given us the ability to do through spiritual warfare. Why do you think he talks about that so much? Why do you think he gave us weapons of warfare if we're never going to use them? What is the point of being given weapons of warfare if you never use them? We're not fighting flesh and blood. Yeah, I know you've heard it before, but you know what? I think sometimes we hear scripture so often that it just becomes meaningless. It just becomes flat words. We are given weapons of warfare. Oh, but Sheila, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. This is hell. 
Oh, I understand all too well. Because guess what? I didn't come up with Power Pro as a book because it was some fun little project. Like Carl and I always say, hell came to our front door for us to give you this book. And you know what? It's been a huge cost to us to put this together, this arsenal for you. Because I'll tell you, someone who's not a fan of warfare that works, the devil himself, our adversary, remember what his modus operandus is? To kill you, to steal from you, and destroy you. If a mob boss phoned you today and said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to destroy you, you might stand up and pay attention. But is it because we hear these scriptures so many times that eventually we just say, yeah, yeah, I heard it before. Yeah, kill, still destroy. I get it. Do you really, though? We don't have to cower to him. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Because we're given power over all the power of the enemy. That is not something God just threw in the Bible for filler. Study it out. Get yourself a companion Bible and study out what that means to have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. You are given a badge from heaven itself. Do you know when a cop jumps out in front of the road and yells, stop in the name of the law? You're not going to run him over or veer around him. You're going to stop because he has the authority of that police department to cease and desist your behavior. Well, guess what? That's no different than what we have from the kingdom of heaven itself. We have a Holy Ghost badge that says, listen up, Satan. You better cease and desist because guess what? I have all the authority of heaven behind me, the angels, Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, and a whole lot of authority to put a stop to your activities in my life. Oh God, I just wish you'd make this stop. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and guess what? God says, why aren't you doing something? I've given you everything you need. Well, Sheila, you're making it sound like we don't even need God, so what's the point? Oh, we need God more than ever. And I'm not saying that, but I'm saying instead of just praying to God, it's like what I say in my book. Prayer is when you're addressing God. Warfare is when you're addressing the enemy. And too many people are leaving out the warfare part. You bind and break the power of the spirits that are operating in your life. Yeah, it all sounds good, but I just want a quick fix of this. Listen, we live in a quick fix microwave instant society and no one wants to do the work. But I will tell you that God knows what you're going through and he does care about what's going on with you. But he also wants you to be equipped and armed. It's like Monty Mulkey said something so amazing on the program. He said, this was such a good analogy to me because he said, if he gave me whatever car I wanted, but he didn't give me the keys to it, what is the point? Keys, please. God has already given us all the provision. It's already been done for us. So why don't we want to do the work? Do the work. This is not rocket science. God has already given us the keys to the kingdom. But yet it's not surprising because... Look at the state of the church today. No one is teaching this stuff and no one really wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about all the issues out there. Certainly not provide the solutions. The solutions is not marches and rallies and petitions. Petitioning heaven, yes. The state of the church today, if it tears our heart apart, how do you think it makes God feel? These spineless pastors, they don't even deserve that title. More like these spineless motivational speakers. Why is it crickets chirping in the pulpit about everything going on today? You know what? Well, you know what I've said. I actually did a YouTube on this a while back called The Silence is Deafening. And I'll tell you, I have never been slammed so vitriolically. But I'll tell you what. 
I'm not going to conform to the ways of this world. We're in the world. Yeah, we get it. We we like the Christianese and the little phrases and the churchianity and praise God, hallelujah, everybody's doing just fine. But you know what the truth is? Satan wants you to quit. And I'm just going to give you a message today. Don't give up. Do not give up. I don't care what it is looking like right now. You know, I get the emails. It is heartbreaking if you could read some of my emails and the requests for prayer and the absolute agonizing torment and oppression that people are going through right now. And here's the deal. You know, I used an analogy years ago. I was speaking in a church and I used this analogy. And I think this will be really encouraging to you. I say this and this is not a cutesy phrase, some little mediocre mantra here. This is I want to tell you that God has a whole different vantage point right now than where you're at. He's not finished with you. Despite all the battles going on in your life, you have to get your eyes fixated on Jesus. God is our provider, not our J-O-B, not our B-A-N-K, not the government. He is our provider. He's our protector, our shield, our peace. He's our strength. He is everything. He's our lawyer, our agent, our rock. You know, you could go on and on. And I empathize people that are going through really incredible challenges and adversity and discouragement, loneliness, longing for like-minded fellowship. I can assure you that I empathize. I get it. But it's time to lay everything at the foot of the cross and completely surrender yourself to him. That means no matter what it looks like, a bad doctor's report, you lost your job, You just got out of a really rough breakup. It doesn't matter what it is because God is not looking at your vantage point. When I was a kid, I was at my uncle who was a rancher's and I was looking for a blue ball. My cousin Lee was kicking around and nobody could find it. Tall grass, haystacks all around. I couldn't find it. But I'll tell you, when I climbed up the side of the barn, went on the top of that roof, I had a whole different vantage point up there. I said, hey, I see it. You know what? When I am going through a really discouraging time, there's just sometimes I don't want to hear somebody just ramble scriptures to me. When you're down in the pit and you are digging yourself up out of that pit, sometimes there is just nothing worse than somebody just throwing scriptures, but it doesn't have any meaning. Well, hallelujah, glory to God. You just got to consider it all joy because, you know, come on now. You know what? Sometimes it's not joyful. Sometimes it's knock them down, drag them out, get in the gutter and battle it out. It's like knock them down, dirty, dragging it out, fighting in the trenches. I've been in those trenches and I know what it's like. It is not a very fun place to be on the backside of the desert or wandering around in the wilderness. I get it. Do you know how many emails I get from people that are just desperate for fellowship with somebody like-minded? I'm preaching to the choir on this because we all get that this sugar-coated, candy cane, cotton candy, comatose, pew-cladded plebeians, it's Hail Mary, three hymns and a PowerPoint presentation, preaching out of the Reader's Digest. That is not cutting it. Well, glory, hallelujah, I feel good. I went to my one-hour church service, and yeehaw, because every day is a Friday. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I've got a newsflash for those candy cane Christians. Guess what? Every day was not a Friday in the book of Acts. Jesus did not say go into all the world and grab a latte and make sure every day is a Friday. That is all you hear with these telepickpocketists, this evangelificianity. It's so ridiculous. 
Go out into all the world and buy a $70 million Gulfstream G650 jet. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. There's so much heresy and there's so much absolute mindless new age that's being woven in the church. We all know this. Look at the praise for the shack. Don't even get me started on that topic. Christians do not have any discernment. Sheila, how do I get discernment? The word is a discerner. Do you know how many ministers that I know that don't even crack a Bible? There is no zealous advocacy of the cause of Christ. Very few want to go further and higher and deeper into the things of God. No, instead we got a mindless mishmash, a cornucopia straight from the pit of hell of everything. Everything goes nowadays. That is not sound doctrine. Well, I just feel that movie The Shock was so uplifting. It just really ministered to me as a wounded person. Let's not judge. Live and let live. Kumbaya. Let's join hands. Let's not judge. Move along. We don't want to talk about sin. No, instead we have euphemisms for sin, and they're abhorrent. It's not the shedding of innocent blood in an abortion. It's pro-choice. Ooh, pro-choice. That sounds trendy. Mm. Anything and everything goes in this cesspool of a society, which, by the way, I really do believe that Sodom and Gomorrah, it has got nothing on this cesspool. When you have a society, when cannibalism is trendy? Yeah, that's what I just said. Cannibalism is trendy now. Well, I just really like Drew Barrymore. You know, E.T., so cute. Oh, yeah, these mind-controlled minions are real cute, all right. Disturbing doesn't even begin to describe the rate that society is circling around the toilet bowl at breakneck speed here. And I think we are in just the last of the last days. Cannibalism and spirit cooking and pedogate. You know what it is? This is satanicus ridiculous. There are so many deceptive mishmashes straight from the pit of hell. Check out Jesus Calling, the number one Christian devotional. I'm going to tell you what, folks, the shack and Jesus Calling, they promote New Age. They promote Antichrist. It's all roads lead to universalism. The book is blasphemous. It promotes Queen of Heaven. Listen, this is my belief. Anyone promoting a shack, I know they have zero discernment. Oh, Sheila, that is, you can't say that. I just did. Why did I say it? Glad you asked. Because these guys are absolutely, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. We're in a time of sorcery and witchcraft and seducing spirits that are very subtle. Jesus said this phrase over and over, don't be deceived. It's subtle nuances and it's weaving itself into the church. And again, the new age is so superimposed now over the so-called church. And I've got a news flash. Satan is not fighting the churches. He's running most of them. That's right. I said it. I have people sending me video clips from their pastors, their Pied Piper pulpiteers. And let me tell you, it is frightening. And you know what people, they say, well, listen, you know, there's no other ones in my area. It's pretty close. Well, it goes back to the old cup of water. One little drop of poison. You'd still drink it though, right? Because it's 99% good. Do not be fooled. Don't just go to a church because you got nothing better to do on a Sunday then sit down and listen to that kind of garbage filling your head because I'll tell you what, it is the frog and the boiling water. Over time, it pervades, it permeates, it infiltrates, it, it gets into your mind and pretty soon that little drop of poison, 
It's a little more drops and a little more drops. And people, the church is poisoned and we need an antidote. And you know what the antidote for poison is? It's the truth of the kingdom. And Paul said it best. Well, wait a minute. I become your enemy now because I tell you the truth? That's Paul's word, not mine. Enough sitting down. Instead, stand up. Speak out. Well, I don't want to offend anyone. Get over it. Who would have thought that we would be in a time where the truth is hate speech? That is frightening, isn't it? You know, take a minute right now and just stop and consider the purpose of your life. Are you living to pursue your own interests and success? Does your energy revolve around your family members, your co-workers, pleasing everyone? Maybe your secret ambition is to change the world for the better. Gandhi wanted to do that, and so did Mother Teresa. All these seemingly wonderful aims, even the last one there. I'm going to change the world for the better. It sounds so selfless. The only goal of lasting value is serving Christ. And as his followers, because that's what he said, if you're my disciple, he said, follow me. As his followers, we should model our life after him. In the Gospel of Luke, what are the requirements of discipleship outlined by our Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yeah, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry his own cross and come after me, that's what he said. He said, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And that doesn't mean that Jesus said, you know, we cannot love God and family at the same time. No. Or that we can only love God while hating those nearest and dearest to us. No. Of course, we have obligations. The scripture talks about it to our families, our husbands, our wives, our children. What the Lord means is that our love for him must have precedence over any other. Our attachment to him has to be greater than any other. And while husbands are to love their wives, no human relationship should be more intimate, no human bond more inseparable than that between the disciple and his master. Jesus Christ is our master. You got to value following Jesus Christ above all things. It demands devotion to Jesus that surpasses even your instinct to preserve your own life. Because we all want to talk about, oh, but I just want to follow Jesus. Up until he asked, wait a minute, you just asked me to move where? I'm not moving there. Uh -uh. I'm fine where I'm at. I like where I live. I'm comfortable. I like my material possessions. I have the distinct impression, folks, that we're going to begin to arrive at the real crunch for those of us who are complacent, affluent American Christians, Christians in the West, because it's real easy to love God when things are going good and you got that good job. You know, it was Paul who instructed those who are rich in material things to be rich in good works and not to trust in the uncertainty of your riches. What does it say there in 1 Timothy 6, 17? That's the point. Oh, all these things are going to be added unto you. Uh, there's a contingency there that says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things, what am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? How am I going to survive when I retire? I don't have a 401k. I don't have any savings. I don't have any pension. What am I going to do? Guess what? You can stockpile food all day long. But here's the deal. Be careful that you're not depending more on your prepping than you are on God's provision. Nothing can compete with your devotion to your dependence on the Lord. 
I got a 50 cal 700 gallons of water in an underground silo. I'm hunkered down, bunkered down, locked down, loaded up, ready to go, rock and roll, baby. Bring it. You know what taking up our cross daily is speaking of? It's talking about our willingness to lay aside all this self-seeking and selfish ambition. Well, that's just a nice story of a lie to get lunch flown into him. Do you have faith for it? Pleasing him is the highest, most compelling motive of our lives, or it certainly should be. You know, it always made me laugh. Over and over you see in the word, the disciples are always jockeying for position, aren't they? A desire to get ahead of the other 11. Ooh, who do you love better? Who's the best? It's kind of comical. And what did our Lord do? He rebuked them a lot of the times. The Lord wasn't looking after his own pleasure and comfort. You know what he was looking for? Obedience to the point of infinite suffering and even death. Go read Philippians 2, 4 through 8. I kind of use this analogy about discipleship. It's kind of like joining the armed forces. You don't sign up and retain your autonomy, I'll tell you that much. When you get enlisted, your own interests, goodbye. You've got to be subservient to your superiors. You do what you're told. You eat when you're told. When I say jump, you say how high. You're contributing to a greater cause by making yourself expendable to that cause. And so to some degree, it's kind of like discipleship. And you know what? There's very few of us that are choosing the path of discipleship to our Lord. In fact, you're probably thinking, why would anybody choose that? Why would anybody choose the demands of discipleship? It's like going back up on the barn of that roof. My point in that story was, we're not looking through the lens of God's vantage point. God's ways are not our ways. His calendar is not our calendar. Well, I was prophesied that 10 years ago. Well, then just hold on. It's coming. It's like you've all seen that little, it's a little meme, and this guy is digging a trench, and he's digging with a pickaxe, and he's digging and digging. You can see this long trench that he's dug, and then an inch before that big, huge diamond, he turns around and he walks away from it. I believe that a lot of your breakthroughs are around the corner. I feel your heart. I feel your pain, and I feel the torment of the letters and the emails that I get and the phone calls and the desperation. I do get it. But listen, I'm not saying this contrite little phrase. The Lord sometimes demands a lot from his people, but you know what the crucial difference is? He doesn't give us anything we can't handle. But you know what we do get? You know what's only available to his disciples? That our Lord reveals his innermost thoughts and his most intimate secrets. He carefully conceals from the masses things that he he gives to us that he speaks to us privately, to his own disciples. That is amazing. And that discipleship brings you into this level of intimacy with the Lord that others can never experience. Well, gee, I'm just looking to all those rewards I'm going to get on the other side. Boy, if that's your motivation, you miss the boat. Our greatest reward is Jesus himself, not because he goes to prepare a place in eternity, not because of any other motive. In the book of Hebrews, we're told that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does he say in Genesis 15 in the very first verse? He told Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You got that right. And you know what? There's nothing that the Lord would deny you, his disciples, for his ultimate good. It's for your good and his glory. 
and God's not holding out on you. Well, God hasn't given me this and he hasn't done that. I've been praying for this and he just, I don't understand why. Why doesn't God just do something here? I've been there, done that. I bought the t-shirt on that. God only withholds what is not good for you. And whatever he does withhold from you, he replaces it with something better. I think of that little, another meme, I'm a visual. I think of the little girl with the teddy bear, the little tiny teddy bear in front of her. She's got this little cute teddy bear and Jesus is sitting there holding out his hand and, and you pick up from the picture that Jesus is reaching out to take her bear. And she says, please, no, but I love it. And behind his back, he has a massive teddy bear. Way cuter, way bigger, and way more awesome bear. But we're so quick to clench that thing. But Lord, I love it. I'll close with this. I just want to ask you, are you a disciple of Jesus? Is he the most important person in your life? Well, I'll tell you what, if he's not, and only you can answer that, but I'll tell you what, you're being cheated out of life. You're being cheated out of a life to its fullest. You know what? The cost of discipleship is great, but the rewards, they're greater. The way of discipleship is not a way, it's the way. The sacrifices we make in this present life, the sacrifices we make in this fleeting present life, they have nothing on what's coming in our eternal life. And you know what? I'll end on this note. I know that no one likes to wait. But you know what delays do sometimes? They show us that we're not in control. God's calling the shots, not you. We might think we are. And I always say, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. God is sovereign over everything in heaven and on earth. And even our time and schedule are in his hands. Do you know that? Learning to wait is a vitally important part of our walk. You'll never, ever be able to walk in obedience to God or have an effective, powerful prayer life or experience the peace of resting in his loving sovereignty if you're running around according to your own schedule your own plan. You know what it all comes down to? God wants to teach you patience and increase your faith. God's more interested in developing godly character than he is in making sure your schedule runs according to your plans. I hope you were blessed and encouraged by this show. We got a great lineup next week. Monday and Tuesday, we got back-to-back episodes on a very powerful two-part series with John Terrell. You're not going to want to miss it please do donate to the fundraiser. Go to weekendvigilante.com. You'll see the banner. And I'm asking you to donate to our equipment fundraiser. I know I can count on you to help me reach my goal. Thank you for tuning into the program. Good night and God bless.